This week on The Perfect Scam. I'm driving, I'm speeding down the freeway in a panic. I'm just trying to get to the gymnastics gym. If they came and kidnapped her, that means they came and grabbed her out the gym. I'm sweating, I'm getting emotional. This is all these emotions. I need to get to my child and figure out what's going on, why this is going on. Imagine your morning being interrupted by a phone call from someone who says they've kidnapped your daughter and if you don't pay up right away, they're going to start cutting off your child's body parts. Well, today you're going to hear from a mom and a dad who went through that exact torture. And you're going to hear the criminals too. Because when Sheraton Johnson got that awful call, she happened to have set up her phone to record all her calls for work. So here, is what that awful phone call sounded like to her, and what happened to her 10-year-old daughter and their whole extended family. It was around mid-morning, yes. And where were you? I was at home. I had just come back from running an errand. You just probably didn't recognize the number, right? So I didn't recognize the number, but the number stated it was from Singapore. So I was used to having people call me from different parts of the world. So you had to answer because you might have to answer for work, right? Absolutely. When she answers the phone, this is what Sheraton hears. We have your daughter in our van. We kidnapped her. This is about a kidnapping, okay? That's the voice of the criminal who said he had Sheraton's child. I asked her to talk me through the phone call. Okay, and what was the first thing that the caller said? They said... Hello, is this Sheraton Johnson? And I said, yes, this is she. And then he said, this is about a kidnapping. And I was just dumbfounded. I, I, I wasn't sure what to say after that, so I stuttered pretty badly. Taken completely by surprise, Sheraton does a quick inventory. Her three kids are all out of the house, busy. She is alone. He didn't announce which one it was. At that time, all of my children were, you know, not in my home. One was in Denver, Colorado. She was at a volleyball tournament. The other one, whom I thought was at uh, gymnastics practice, and the other one was at work. And right at that moment, she remembers a warning that parents had recently received from her 10-year-old daughter's gymnastics program. The gymnasium had reported there there was a strange van in the parking lot and that it had been sitting there for about a day. And they were wondering if it belonged to any of the parents or anything like that. Like recently, like right before this hell happened? Right before this happened, yes. Wow. The okay. day before this happened. And so I'm thinking that, oh my God, they you know may have taken her and put her in that van. So I was, that's what I was thinking. And right then, she hears a voice that sends her heart rate soaring. It said something like, mommy, mom, because my kids do call me mommy. And I thought perhaps maybe it could have been one of them. I just wasn't sure. It, it, it sounded like it could have been, but I, I just wasn't quite sure. That was in complete shock. And a moment later, there is a terrible threat. Listen, pay attention. Do you think it's necessary for me to cut off one of her body parts? He told me that, and this was 
you know, pretty, pretty, you know, bad. He told me that this is about a kidnapping. And he said that, you know, listen to me because would you like for me to cut off one of her body parts and send it to you? Oh my God. Yeah. But what do you even say to a thing like that? I told him, no, sir. No, he had my attention fully at that moment. The caller says he knows where she is and he has demands to make. So he told me to give him my location. He said he knew where I was, but he wanted my cross streets. And I told him, he said, you know, don't lie, don't lie to me. I said, no, no, I'm not lying to you. Here are my cross streets. But for some reason, he said that he knew where I was and that he wanted me to get money and take it from my account and send him money if I wanted to see my daughter safe again. How much money do you have? How much money can you get within 30 minutes so I can help you out and let your daughter go? I, I don't have money, but I mean, I, I could probably come up listen, with like $5,000. You can hear in Sheraton's voice that she's terrified. Her heart is beating fast, and she's thinking fast, too. While still talking to the criminal on her home phone, she uses her cell phone to call her ex-husband, Brian, the father of her children. Afraid of alarming the kidnappers, she basically just lets Brian listen in on her phone call occasionally trying to text him so he'll understand what's going on, but that doesn't really work. I know that he probably didn't understand what I was saying. So I tried to text him and it came out all wrong that one of the girls had been kidnapped. But you actually had, you know, sort of like in television where you had two phones out, one to each ear, is that right? I did. Across town, Sheraton's ex-husband is sitting in his office his work day has just started. I remember I was in a meeting at work and Sheraton called me and I was, I was, we were like the tail end of the meeting. I said, I just declined the call and I said, I'll call her, I'll, I will call her back. And she called me right back. And you normally, when she calls me right back, that's usually something more urgent. So I kind of got up a little bit early and, and walked out. And so when she, when I said hello and she just said I just heard this man's voice in the background I think she had me on another phone and and, and had him on speaker and I was like you know you know what is this what's going on and, and, and she said so she on her breast she said somebody's got cancer, her youngest daughter and I was like what you know I, I sit there kind of process a little bit and she said somebody they, they got camera and they want money and I, I'm sitting there trying to what, what are you talking about Brian listens intently and tries to make sense out of what he's hearing, but it's impossible. I did hear the guy, so I really couldn't make out exactly what he was saying, but you, yes, you could hear the guy. And did they tell her not to call anyone else? Like Not to call they, the police, right? Yeah. They said, don't call the police. I think so were, she were, kind of were they on, mad? Were they mad that she called you? I think she muted them for a second, ah. and that's why she really couldn't talk. At this point, Brian calls his mom. It was grandma's job to bring the 10-year-old to gymnastics that morning to confirm that she actually got there. And when grandma says yes, Brian races down to the garage and takes off for the gymnastics studio. And so the first thing I do, I just 
grab my keys and I'm like, okay, let me see what's going on. So I run down to the garage and I'm actually in, at that time I was working in, right outside of downtown Dallas. And so I jump in the car and I'm driving down 35. We get, you know, I'm, I'm driving, I'm speeding down the freeway, you know, just, just, just kind of in, in a panic. At this time, I'm not talking to Sheridan. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get to the gymnastics gym. If they came and kidnapped her, that means they came and grabbed her out the gym. And so I'm, you know, I, I'm like, well, why hasn't the coach called me? Why haven't I got a call? So I'm just, I'm just kind of processing it, you know, and um, I know I'm driving. Well, while you're thinking about all this, though, your first urge, which I think makes sense to anyone, is to just get there. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to just get there. I just remember kind of saying to myself, if the cops pull me, it, get behind me, we're all going to this gym. I mean, that was just kind of in mm-hmm. my mind. Like, I'm not pulling over. We're going, we're going, I'm just going to take the whole entourage of whatever city is chasing me and we're going to get get there and we'll figure it out once we get there well like what is your heart rate like and- oh my heart rate's at a thousand i mean when i'm driving there i'm, I'm sweating i'm getting emotional i'm just i'm just i, I just I, you know i i don't know what they, what they came and grabbed her what what is going on you know i i i just i don't you know there's all these emotions as you're driving of i need to get to my child and figure out what's going on why this is going on Meanwhile, Sheridan is driving to the bank, as ordered by the criminals. And, you know, it seemed like, you know, you could barely get the words out on the phone call. You were so upset. I was very upset and I was very scared. So he says, okay, okay, go, go where? Where Where does he send you? I told him I didn't have any cash on me, so I would have to go to an ATM and, you know, get money from an account that I had. And so I'm nervously driving to the nearest ATM at a local bank. And I was very, very nervous. And I went to the bank. I got there. I was just, I was really fumbling around trying to figure out how to even put my card in the ATM. She takes out as much cash as she can get her hands on from the ATM and then keeps following the criminal's instructions. And then he tells me to go to a specific location. It was like a a check cashing place. And what did he want you to do there? He wanted me to take whatever money that I was able to get and make a deposit. He gave me information and I deposited money in to a specific account and it went to Mexico. However, I thought that the people at the check cashing place were also in on this whole ordeal. So I go in and I'm looking at, you know, people's faces and I'm like, oh my God, they're watching me as well. They know what I'm there for. Oh my God, that sounds just terrifying. Yes. So the money gets to Mexico, but it's not enough. The criminal isn't satisfied. He starts demanding more cash. Once I wired the money and I go back and I get into my car, he says, you've got to get more money. And I told him, I wasn't able to access any of my money. And he tells me that I needed to find a way to get more money. 
So what was your next step? It was so bad. I, I actually went to my in-laws and I just drive up and I had this whole picture in my head that, you know, maybe they could see me or some kind of way they could see me. And I made it very audible that I was speaking to another person and I saw her as she, you know, my mother-in-law, she pulled in and I said, hey, I need money for something. It's really important. Can you help me? As Brian is speeding down Highway 35, his mom calls him to talk about the panicked conversation she just had with Sheraton, and there's no mistaking what's happening. Sheraton is sure their 10-year-old daughter has been kidnapped. My mom calls me like, Sheraton's here for money. She said, yeah, there's somebody on the phone with Sheraton talking about they're going to, they've kidnapped her. Sheraton's still kind of in a panic, and, you know, there's really no talking to her at this point because she's just... She doesn't, you know, she doesn't know what's real anymore at this point, and, and I, nobody does. I don't know even know what's real. Sheraton doesn't know what's real. She's not even sure it's really her ex-husband that she's texting with. So this entire time, I was actually answering messages from my ex-husband, and he's texting me. It was so weird because I wasn't sure if it was him. The phone call makes Brian hit the accelerator even heavier. He's got to get to the gym, which he thinks is now a crime scene, so he can figure out what's going on. Fortunately, he's not pulled over by police on the way. In fact, there are no police anywhere. So anyway, so I, I get to the gym and I pull in and I'm kind of looking around. There's no cars there. I'm, I'm expecting police to be there. I'm expecting a whole bunch of stuff and nothing's there. I'm like, oh, what's, that's weird. So I knock on the door because they keep the doors locked. I knock on the door and eventually the coach comes to the gym and uh, comes to the door. I said, this here. She said, yeah, it's here. You, you want her? I said, no, no, just, just leave her there. So I just sat there in the parking lot. And I'm thinking maybe now I'm thinking maybe they are holding Sheraton hostage and they're coming up there they got a a gunpoint and they're gonna come and take the kid i'm like well at this point that's not going to happen so i'm i'm going to i'm going to be here just to see what's going on maybe that's one angle maybe sheraton has been kidnapped or maybe he's got the story wrong and one of his other kids have been kidnapped so he keeps asking questions then i'm thinking well what about my other two daughters maybe 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 Sheridan's thinking with one daughter and it's another one. So my oldest daughter, she worked for American Airlines at a call center. So I, I called her. I said, is, hey, you at, you at work? I said, everything okay? She said, yeah, everything's fine. I said, she said, I'm, I'm here with, and at that time, she, that was my first grandchild. And so she had my grandchild. I said, oh, yeah, we're, we're, I'm about to go drop her off at daycare and all that stuff. So I killed two birds with one stone. They're okay. So I'm like, okay, all right. So, okay, my third, my middle daughter, she, at this time, she was in Denver, Colorado at a volleyball camp at the University of Denver with, and she went with one of her teammates. I said, okay, let me just call there. So I called the mother of the, uh, of, of the, of her teammate and just said, hey, uh, how's it going down there? And she said, oh, it's fine. You know, I'm sitting here just watching them. They're both playing. Hmm. So it's okay. So now I've confirmed all the kids are okay. And so I'm, I'm still in the parking lot. I'm just like, okay, she's going to come up here and, you know, I, I, she's going to come up here and grab the kids or, or what's going to happen. So Brian sits at the gym and waits. I sat there for about 15 minutes expecting her to pull up any minute. So I sat there and just waiting. You know, I'm, I'm ready to fight. I, you know, I got 
I got a weapon in my hand. I got a little tire iron in my hand. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to hurt whoever's there. I'm going to hurt them. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Here we go. You got a tire iron in your hand. You're ready for a fight. I'm ready to go. Yes. I'm ready. At this point, I'm ready to fight. I knew, I knew the door was locked to the gym. So I knew he couldn't get in if there was somebody there. So we're, I'm either just going to be dead and or whatever, or we're both going to be dead, but you're not getting to her. You kind of went over my dead body type scenario. You're not going to get to her. But then Brian starts to question the whole situation. Is the kidnapper really about to show up? Or what if he has the whole thing wrong? So Brian hatches a plan worthy of a TV show. He reaches out to his ex-wife with a message that only she would understand. I text Sheraton and I said, hey, you know, uh, uh, you still got the guy on the phone? She said, the guy's on the phone. I said, okay, I about still wasn't confident. I said, meet me at the first house that we that we purchased. This was uh, when we were still married. Uh, we we purchased a house in two thousand one. I said, meet me at that place. I mean, if 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 you know, you want to tell me where you're going, you just you just drive there. Here's how Sheraton remembers that moment. And he says, do you remember where we first bought our first home? And I answered, yes. And I'm trying to text and listen to this this person on the line as well so it just got confusing and very jumbled in my mind but i told him yes and once i once i left my uh, mother-in-law's home he tells me go there and don't say anything go there now Hmm. and i text back i said why and he said just do it Just do it. Brian tells Sheraton to go to their first home for a rendezvous. He figures that's the best way to decipher what's really going on. Sheraton doesn't really know what to think. Maybe Brian's in on it too. Maybe he's been kidnapped. Maybe he's just confused. But she decides to take Brian up on his plan. By the time I drove there and I was still on the line with this deranged person that, you know, I I thought, you know, everything was crashing all at once. I thought that maybe my ex-husband had been taken as well because I get to our first home that we purchased and it was kind of boarded up, I think. And it had a, a sign on the door. So I guess whoever had purchased it at the time, they went into foreclosure. And I'm thinking, oh my God, he's in there in that house and, you know, they're holding him hostage. And I was seriously about to pull off and leave. Oh my God. So you pull up to a house that's abandoned and boarded up and it looks like maybe it's a kidnapping scene. Yes, exactly. And, and you got there before he did, right? I did. I did. About maybe, maybe two or three minutes later, I see someone kind of, you know, flashing their lights and you know driving really deranged and it was him it was my ex-husband and he tells me he jumps out of the car really quickly he tells me get off the phone get off the phone now and I was like no no they they have they have they have our daughter and my phone accidentally you know the the line disconnects and I'm I'm thinking oh my god they're they're gonna kill her because the line disconnected, you know, how you have a drop call. So the call dropped and I'm thinking, oh my God, I didn't do what he would, 
wanted me to do. And the call dropped and I'm telling my ex-husband, like, they're, they're going to kill her. They're going to kill her. And then the phone rings again. And then I proceed to, I was, hello. And I apologize. I was like, the phone, the call dropped. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And my ex-husband proceeds to tell me, get off the phone. Brian is screaming at her. The criminal is screaming at her. It's chaos. There was a lot of things that were going on. I heard a lot of background noise. At one point, he told me that he was the second in command for that particular organization and that he hates to spill innocent blood. And I proceed to tell him that my kid is a good kid. And with him constantly in my ear, just saying things to to keep me going on the phone, that's when I finally hung up. He was still talking. As Brian is pulling up to their old home, well, he figures he's begun to figure out the truth of what's going on. I was getting to that point where it's a scam because I'm like, this is this is this is where because you know, as 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 my emotions were coming back down, I just remember pulling up to a car. As a matter of fact, I pulled up in the middle of the street hmm. and I opened the door and I'm like, hang up that effing phone. And just she's like, I don't know, I don't know. I'm like, I just hang up the phone. Matter of fact, and so I, I remember somebody was driving by, and it looked like two couples fighting in the thing. Because I'm just standing with my hand shaking, like, put the phone down. You know, I talk with my hands, so you know, I'm like, put the put the phone down, hang it up. That is, you know, all this other stuff. So, um, well, I mean, I I can understand, you know, from her perspective. Well, first of all, she doesn't know who to believe. Exactly. Right? In fact, Sheraton is basically in shock. She's just bawling. She is crying. And so it took me, you know, we're kind of sitting there on the side of the road uh, in this subdivision, right in the entry point of the subdivision, right up the street, kind of right at the corner of the street we used to live at. And she's just crying. I'm just kind of, you know, holding her like, okay, hey, it's going to be, it's okay. Everybody's fine. You're, you're fine. And then I think actually we got our wits, actually kind of got our wits about it. I said, okay, let's go on back to your house and let's go ahead and call the cops. And even at that point, Sheridan still isn't quite sure what to think. So when you hang up the phone, it sounds like you were still caught in between. You weren't sure what to believe, right? I wasn't sure what to believe. And I tell Brian, my ex-husband, I said, I thought you were in the house. I thought you were in there. I thought they had you. And he says, no, no. He says, is okay, which was our youngest daughter. So how did he convince you that that was true? Because I was not convinced. You're absolutely right. I was not convinced at all. He tells me that he drove there and she was in her class. And I was like, no, she's she's on the phone. I'm, I'm still trying to tell him that, no, she's, I heard her. She's on the phone. She's at this strange place. So Brian offers to pick up their younger daughter from gymnastics and bring her home. Mom needs to see her daughter in the flesh. He told me to go home. I'm going to go pick her up right away. And I said, okay, because I said, she's she's got to come home. You've got to bring her home right now. And so I went home and he brought her home. It was about maybe 30 minutes later, but I was still very concerned at the of course. time. 
And you had to see her, I'm sure. I did. I did. I, I needed to know that she was okay. She was okay. There was no kidnapping. Instead, Sheridan was a victim of what the FBI calls virtual kidnapping. Criminals, often from jails in Mexico, call parents and claim they've taken a child or family member hostage and demand money. The FBI says incidents of virtual kidnapping are soaring, and the agency has issued several warnings about it. When Sheraton learned what had really happened, she decided it was really important to let other parents know about this kind of crime. So she reached out to local reporter Lloyd Brumfield, who at the time worked for the Dallas Morning News. Even a few weeks after the incident, she was still badly shaken. I mean, was she visibly upset about it talking to you? Yes, very much so. Well, where did you meet her? At her home uh, in Lancaster, Texas. She was very thoughtful, very serious. She was angry. I think by that time, most of the fear had subsided, at least her visible fear had subsided a little bit. But in talking to her, she was very much single-minded in wanting to talk about it and wanting to describe how terrible it was. She played the recording for Lloyd and... He was stunned by what he heard. We write about crime all the time, but here you're, you're listening to the voice of a criminal. What was that like? It was pretty shocking. It was weird because he was, he was alternately sometimes polite but, and sometimes very angry, sometimes profane. He, he, he uttered some racial slurs when he wanted her to move quicker. He, I mean, he very much got to the point right away and... and when he, when he, when Sheraton first exclaimed that she, she didn't believe what was going on, and he had the, an accomplice with him wherever he was, and who played the part of her daughter, and she started screaming, you know, "Mom, Mom, they've got me! They've got me!" or, or something similar to that. And I mean, it's 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 pretty harrowing to listen to him, and then to, and to listen to Sheraton start screaming. The crime stayed with Sheraton for a long time. Main effect said it's it's pretty impossible to track these people down, and uh, a lot of times, unfortunately, the the victims who who are scammed end up giving away some kind of money, and that's not. I mean, that may be the least of their problems when you, you know, I mean, money is just money, but then you've got all those mental anxieties and emotional breakdowns that you go through, and and Sheraton said that she couldn't she couldn't sleep for days or weeks after it happened. You know, she kept thinking that, you know, even after it was resolved, that somebody might come after her or her family. Virtual kidnapping is, is, it's just an insidious crime. I don't understand why anyone would get it in their head that, hey, let's, let's go, you know, we've been watching, watching these, this person's social media posts. Let's, she seems to be fairly well off. Let's go victimize her and terrify her about her 10 year old child. I, I just don't understand what would make one human being do that to another one. Both Lloyd and the family talked to police about the incident. They filed the police report, but the criminals were never found. However traumatic the crime was, at least Brian and Sheridan worked together, and that kept a bad situation from getting much worse. I think it's um, one of the biggest things that I, I feel like is important is that no matter what your relationship is with the person you have children with, that you try to maintain a good, decent relationship of some kind for instances like this, because if you're always at odds, if you're always thinking, you know, if, if I'm, I'm bitter at something, 
I would not have listened to this. And so in an emergency like this, this could have went down here. Like, oh, I don't feel like talking to her. Go away. She makes me sick. All this other stuff. You know, you need to have have communication. Like I said, with whoever you have, whether you're married to them or not, or divorced, you need to really just try to keep those lines of communication open. Because I think it, it's really important for, you know, when things go wrong, whether it's a health emergency, whatever emergency come and you don't know what's going to come. How did Brian think of that idea to tell Sheraton to meet him at a place that the criminals wouldn't know? Maybe it's me watching movies. Maybe at that point you're just like these lifetime movies you might see. I don't. I don't know. I. I, I said that was. I knew that was. I wanted to go to a spot that did not link us to any family. That you know, I didn't want to go to my mom's house. I didn't want to go. I just wanted to go to a place where you can start driving and you don't have to say I don't know where that is. You know, I didn't want to say a store because like what store? Where at the store? Where you know? I, I didn't want a place where, where we won't have a lot of questions. I didn't want to have to keep trying to text back and forth. Where? That quick thinking really helped the family limit their losses. In the end, how much money did the criminal take from you? It was about a hundred and forty, a hundred and fifty dollars because I didn't, I didn't go into another account. I was so nervous when I when I did it. And there was only a certain amount that I could get. But like I said, I started thinking, I started trying to play things in my head. It was really hard uh, at the same time because I didn't even see my savings account when I when I went to the ATM machine. I didn't even see it. So that was the thing. And it was right there, but I didn't see it because I only saw whatever I had in a small account that I that I kept. And I just pulled that out and I was like, this is all I could get. So I was very nervous, but that's what they ended up getting. But either way it goes, it it could have been any amount. And I was still afraid for my daughter's life. And she's still afraid to go to that bank. So I know it's been a few years, but uh, I can tell talking with you, this is still pr- pretty, pretty raw in your feelings. Yes, absolutely. Like I said, I don't even go to that particular bank ATM anymore because of that. It's it's like it's a, a piece of trauma that that lives inside and it's it's harsh, but it's harsh reality. And it was very scary at the time. What did Sheraton learn from her experience? So I think it's important to really try to at least know where your loved ones are. And that if you have some type of way of keeping in contact with them, please let them know it's so important to do that. And it's not that you're trying to pry or, you know, spy on them, but it's just for safety reasons and and for things to be prevented from happening like these. And if you know where they are, you can deal with whatever situation that you can head on instead of not knowing. Brian says he learned to be careful with social media. You have predators all over the place. Really be vigilant to what they're trying to do. And even to this day, I talk to my kids about mainly my youngest, my, the, the same kid who's now 16, you know, she's, she's a socialite and I have to really try to reel her in because like I said, she doesn't always know the dangers, but she's always out there. You know, oh, he's my friend. And this is my friend. She's my friend. And all these little friends. I'm like, no, you, you need to cut that out to not expose so much of yourself, have small conversations, but never tell them where you live. Matter of fact, in your profile, you live in, you live in Dallas. You don't live in Cedar Hill. 
you don't live in DeSoto, you don't live in Lancaster, you don't say the city where you live, you, you kind of keep it general to, to an area. I live in Texas type thing. Lloyd was surprised by the impact his story had on readers in Dallas. Many wrote in with offers of sympathy or donations, and a few wrote in with their own scam tales. This happens more often than you think it might. And it's often a very effective way to scam some people out of money. And based on what I heard Sheraton go through, believe me, you don't want to go through this at all, or you don't want to have any of your families go through this at all. It's a very mentally taxing experience. I would just say, be very careful of the numbers that pop up on your phone and, and make, just take extra care in, in how you answer or if you answer at all. Perhaps most of all, he was left with a feeling that this kind of crime could happen to anyone. Since you've heard the recording, can you understand why Sheraton would have sent this person money? Yeah, absolutely, I can understand it. If you are the parent of that child that supposedly has been nabbed, I mean, I, I, wouldn't you err on the side of, of, of caution? Uh, you know, if you, I mean, and all she had was a cell phone, it would have been pretty hard for her to contact police right away. And Lloyd hopes law enforcement agencies will get even more engaged by listening to victims and solving crimes like virtual kidnappings. The Lancaster Police Department does fine work, so I don't want to cast aspersions or anything. But when I talked to them, they were basically, you know, they basically told me, you know, no, this doesn't really happen anymore. I, I mean, I think, you know, most people don't fall f- for the for these types of scams and there's really nothing we can do about it which you know with them saying most people don't fall for these types of scams i'm not so sure that's true i i think there there's something like there are hundreds of thousands of dollars out there that that are stolen every year from innocent people because of these crimes well i have a podcast they can listen to correct (laughs) very good If you have been targeted by a scam or fraud, you are not alone. Call the AARP Fraud Watch Network Helpline at 877-908-3360. Their trained fraud specialists can provide you with free support and guidance on what to do next. Thank you to our team of scam busters, executive producer Julie Getz, researcher Haley Nelson, associate producer Annalie Embry, and of course, our audio engineer, Julio Gonzalez. Be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For AARP's The Perfect Scam, I'm Bob Sullivan. <laughs>